You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm joined by our senior brand manager, Maddie Kennedy, and Val Geisler, customer advocacy lead at Clavio an email and SMS marketing automation platform. We've been using the platform for about two years, and I wanted to have a deep email talk, and Maddie is our in-house expert. So I, I don't usually do this, but I want to give our you know my listeners a little bit of context here just because this is a little more technical of an episode, and we're going to be really digging into one thing, which is email. Um And I kind of wanted to talk about why before we get into the nitty gritty. And so basically for all of you listening, I think we're all aware of Apple's iOS updates and the impact that it's had on all of our customer acquisition costs. If you listen to this podcast or you know me at all, or you know Havens, you know that like Havens isn't primarily D to C, but we do really care about building a great website and a real community around that website. So email is critical, even though, um, you know, we're not necessarily doing paid ads or driving people to buy things on, um, on our site. So higher CAC is um, a real problem for the D2C, you know, dominant brands. Not as much of a problem for us, but certainly having a great email marketing channel, I think, is important to any brand building in the CPG space today. So there's my little pre-intro intro, and welcome, Val. Now we're going to get going. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, my pleasure. And Maddie. Woo-woo. Hello, hello, this hello. Is, yeah, this is like your first in the sauce appearance, and my guess is not your last. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so flattered. I'm really excited <laughs> to be to be on the pod today. Thanks. So you know where I'm going to start, right? Yeah. So I... First of all, for everyone listening, Maddie basically like started her work life with me and Havens and um, basically built out our whole email channel and what is now a pretty rockin' SMS channel. Yes. And um, at some point, Maddie did this whole sort of like massive sort of reorganization of the company basically and was like, we don't need an agency. We need me. We need a graphic designer. Blup, 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 blup. I was like overjoyed and she got a little teary eyed. Now, if you've ever met Maddie, she holds her cards relatively close. She's not a particularly emotive gal, um, but you actually cried. I did. About your love for email. And <laughs> I think that is a really good place to start the episode. So why? Why did you cry? About why it? did I cry? Um, <laughs> starting out with just the heavy hitting question. So um, 
first of all, I learned about email and customer relations from a great agency, Lunar Solar Group. They really taught me the ins and outs of email marketing and how important it was. I had no idea the power that it held until we really started sending emails ourselves. Mm -hmm. And once I was kind of learning the ins and outs of Clavio specifically, and then also just like the data and the metrics really made sense to me. I think like my inner child, like somehow was healed through me <laughs> learning how to send emails. I was never good at math. Like data always really overwhelmed me. Right. And I was seeing, you know, like writing these subject lines and preview text. Well, maybe if I just give a little bit more of like this FOMO aspect in the subject line here, Mm -hmm. I'll get a higher open rate. Mm -hmm. And maybe if I A-B test this time send, my gut's saying it's going to perform better at night, but I'm going to test it just in case. My Mm. gut is right. Um, So it was one of those like eureka moments for me where I was just like, hey, I'm really good at this Mm -hmm. and it comes naturally It doesn't, and there's just so much to learn. And I think too, with, with Clavio, like the ease of testing out, you know, different ideas is so easy and straightforward. It really, the platform itself just makes it like uncomplicated and you understand everything that's going on versus like, you know, social media, I think can be so overwhelming where email is just it's straightforward. And you're also connecting with folks who are signing up and like giving you their personal information. They want to see your content and they're really excited to see your content a lot of the time too, if you're doing it right. Um, And so I think that's kind of where I felt, you know, a little bit teary. I was like, I'm good at this. I'm talking directly to our consumer who are dedicated enough to our brand where they're actually opting in there. They want to hear from us. And that's really cool. So just as a little shout out, we did have Natalie on from lunar solar. I just Mm -hmm. looked back. Mm -hmm. It's episode uh, 101. So for those of you who want to go back and hear that conversation, feel free to. Um, I love that Matt, because it's like, that's what it's all about, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're building these things. We, you know, so much of it is like, we're putting something out into the world and we're like, is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? I'm spending all of my time doing this and all of my energy thinking about it. So you just felt like connected, which is awesome, which is why you're really good at your job. Um, Mm -hmm. So Val, going back to you, let's just go back to, you know, you can send emails in other ways. I think Clavio is like a system, as far as I understand, that like manages all of it. Um, And we didn't hop on there until I think we had like 30,000 different Mm -hmm. email addresses. And and we wanted to get sort of, you know, serious about, you know, segmenting audiences and really doing that A-B testing and not just sort of sending something out. And um, But I mean, from your perspective, obviously, as a customer advocacy lead at Clavio, 
Can you tell me a little bit more about the difference of Clavio and feel free to brag? And also, um, this is not sponsored PS, but also, <laughs> um, when you recommend brands moving on to it, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll get to the sort of next question, but yeah, I'm yeah. And, and for context too, I was an email marketer, lifecycle marketer for e-commerce brands, um, consultant before coming to Klaviyo. Right. So I used Klaviyo with all my clients. Um, I experienced other platforms as well. And so that's like, uh, Maddie, there's this kind of um, joke in the email community that's like the nobody chose the email life. The email life chose us. (laughs) It's so true. Like nobody goes to school for email marketing, but we all end up falling in love with it at some point. And uh, that's, there's a reason there's a a community called email geeks because we just uh, nerd out about how awesome this method of communication is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, every, every five years or so you start to see headlines about how email is dead and email has been dying my entire life. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, you know, it's not, uh, those headlines are, are fake news. Um, they yeah. are, you know, emails stronger than ever. And uh, th- the question about like kind of, you guys joined Clavio when you hit 30,000 subscribers, you really wanted to get serious about email. Um, you know, Clavio is the secret sauce of Clavio is that like, yes, you can send emails, you can send SMS, but it's actually like a data management platform mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Like, so we, p- the power of Clavio is our integrations with other tech partners. Right. And uh, so you can pull all of this data about your customers into one place, look at it and make decisions on who you're messaging, when, where, how, uh, with that data that you can't do on other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talk about getting serious about email, it's really, in my opinion, it's like the question is not, do we want to be serious about email? We have a big email list now, but it's really like, how do we want to spend our money and our time? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can spend money and time chasing new leads uh, through various social acquisition channels, um, you know, running ads, uh, learning those platforms. And uh, I know people complain about like, well, email is constantly changing. Well, let me tell you what, that Facebook ad manager is constantly changing. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, at, at, like at way more on a daily basis, it seems um, way more than email does. Like Gmail, Outlook, those inboxes, they really take some time to make some changes. But you get to Clavio because mm-hmm. you care about how you're spending your time and your money in your business and and recognizing the communication channels that you want to pursue with your customers. Well, I think, I I mean, you said like so many, that's why I kept like, (laughs) no, it's okay. Like I tend to interrupt my guests, but sorry about that. Everybody. Um, Just because when you like, there were like seven things that I wanted to like (laughs) jump on in those three sentences that you said. The first thing I want to go back to is I feel like I'm speaking to two email geeks who have been chosen by email. My hunch is that it chose you because it feels so much more connected because it is the only real one-to-one brand to consumer Mm -hmm. 
marketing channel there is that doesn't mm-hmm. have, you know, either, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon or whoever kind of like in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. Is that right? Would you say that? I mean, if you had to sort of like get down to your like soul, like why do you feel why do you feel like people who love email love it as much as they do? Is that is that it? I, I for me it is. It's that there are people landing on your website or um, you know, at your booth at a farmer's market or wherever you mm-hmm. are, that they are choosing to give you their email address. Mm-hmm. And I feel like your inbox is like your virtual living room of your house. You know, like what you, we all get so many messages all the time Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And what you let into your inbox says a lot about who you are and what you value and how you want to spend your time as a, as a person, as a consumer. And, uh, I don't know. I don't sign up for Well, I do because I'm an email geek, but like Mm -hmm. as a consumer, I'm very cautious about who I give my email address Mm -hmm. to and how they're going to use it. So I I feel like it's a personal invitation from that individual to come talk to them versus an ad is just like, wow, this pair of boots is chasing me around the internet, you Mm know? Yeah. And with that personal invitation, brands should take that seriously. You wouldn't get invited Mm -hmm. to someone's house and like not think about how you entered. Maddie, same for you. Yeah. I think um, to Val's point about like integration, um, something Courtney always talks about is meeting our consumer where they are. Mm. So for instance, like we're um, integrated with flow code, we have QR codes on all of our packaging. We love QR codes just like as a marketing lover in general. And we set up a pop-up uh, to sign up for email and SMS when folks scan the QR code. It's integrated into Clavio. So folks who scan that QR code probably at the store level or they buy the product and they're at home, maybe looking for recipes or something to make. They're immediately put into an automation that was specifically built for those customers mm-hmm. who scanned us, right? Um, and who probably bought that. We can't, you know, conclude that they bought the product per se, but we can assume. Mm-hmm. And so that messaging is completely different from the messaging that folks get when they sign up for our email via our desktop pop up on our website. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, like the personalization um, is something that's very, very attractive to me. And it's really fun to kind of play with as well. Um, and then that kind of like piggybacks onto like segmentation of right. your audiences based on behaviors, past purchases. I mean, like there are so many things you could do um, with. Oh, we're going to well. talk about segmentation because that <laughs> is a word that I don't even think. I mean, I certainly didn't know until a few um, years ago. And then, I mean, Val, I want to go back to that, uh, that mini paragraph from before too, Mm -hmm. that, you know, every five years people say it's dying, it's stronger than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, why do you, again, I, it seems to be, to me, it's stronger than ever because it's true. It, it, it's true connection. Whereas all these other things, there's like, there's, there's 
fad to it in yeah. a way. I, I mean, again, I'm just guessing as like a consumer. Um, but it, why do you think it's stronger than ever? And why do you think it's got this like every five years people say it's dying <laughs> when it's just not? Yeah, I I don't know why everyone picks on email. Um, I I think it's because it's like a baddie, you know, like Mm -hmm. it just kind of uh, performs uh, over and over again. And so the other uh, methods for gathering new customers, retaining customers like ad spend um, kind of have to come after email a bit and say, you know, oh, that's that's not cool anymore. You got to you got to come do this now. Yeah. and I'm fine with email not being cool. It's effective though, yep. right? So like, that's fine. I don't have to be cool, but I'm going to be effective in the work that I do. So and I want to throw something else out there too, because I feel like I've been saying this a little bit on the podcast and I feel like I want someone to check me just to make sure that, because sometimes I'm general, but you know, you were talking about the way that we want to spend our time and our money. So to me, there are a couple of sort of like, big shifts happening. Um, Obviously, there's the new privacy stuff that we all know about. Two people are back in retail, in stores. So the, you know, the, the spend on acquiring consumers to shop on your website is going to look very different now. People are starting, you know, brands are as they're entering the retail world, they're realizing they have to spend some of their marketing budget on, you know, POS merchandising and, you know, boots on the ground, you know, people filling voids and it's retail is a very different beast. And then the third sort of, you know, sea change is, um, you know, obviously whether we're entering a recession or we're not, and, and no one's figured that out yet, but clearly food prices are higher And people are being more careful about where they're spending their money. And I remember having like Ellie Golding, who used to be at Kind on the show, and she said something that really struck me, which is brands in economic downturns, brands have a harder time with, you know, growing awareness and they really need to focus on retention. It's much easier if someone has already bought our chimichurri to try to get them to see how they could use it and one other meal of the week, or if they've eaten it with dinner, how they could use it with breakfast, or if they like the chimichurri to try the tahini versus going after a totally new consumer who isn't necessarily in the mood to try something they don't feel trust in yet because they want to save money. So it seems like all of those things are kind of happening at the same time. And when you go back to your fundamental question of how do we want to spend our time and money, do we want to spend it trying to get new customers or do we want to spend it nurturing the customers who we already have who might just need a reminder or some inspiration? And that seems to be where email really, really does the trick. Yeah. And customer retention is like my favorite topic. So (laughs) I don't know if you have an extra three hours today, but uh, (laughs) it might not want to get me too going on that. that You might really start crying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I probably can get to your AI talking about customer retention because, um, you know, it is so important and it's, uh, there's, 
I actually was doing some research into there's this stat that's like it's five times cheaper to keep a customer than to go get a new one. Mm-hmm. And it, that stat is like so it's one of those like, well, 99% of statistics are made up, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which is like nobody can find the original source for that stat. It's uh, like quoted since 2011. So it probably has changed if it even is true. But the the the, the sentiment, sentiment behind that stat mm-hmm. is what matters. And it's that it is so much easier to connect with consumers who are already aware of your brand, who already maybe have purchased from you, who have already experienced your brand in some capacity, than to go get somebody, you know, new, interested off the street. Yeah. No, it's it's almost like an actual, like waste and it's very it's sad in a way mm-hmm. to have someone who is ready for you and like excited about you and not bring them into your world or show them how your product makes their life better like it's, right. it's almost a big it's like a miss at this well point. and and like kind of cross selling upselling your existing products so mm-hmm. it, it's like oh this person um I, we have a a customer called Prusy they're kind of like um TJ Maxx but online. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they resell other brands and they are since moving on to Clavio, they send less emails and make more money, Mm -hmm. um, because they're segmenting. So they're going to, if you purchased Nike golf gear, they're going to cross sell you both right. regular Nike because right. they assume you like that brand and then also other golf brands that mm-hmm. they carry. Right. Um, so they're noticing the data about you as a consumer and they're cross selling you like appropriate uh, right. product that you might not have discovered on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to start like really with like opt in and go all the way through the journey. So we'll be right back. This episode is supported by HRN business member, Analytics Solutions. Analytics Solutions empower business owners to confidently make informed decisions and positively impact profitability. They provide a host of technology-enabled solutions for small to mid-sized businesses across a range of industries, including restaurants, food service delivery, and restaurant consulting. Visit A-N-A-L-Y-T-I-X dot com to learn more. Analytics Solutions supports HRN's creative, educational reporting and storytelling that drive conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. I'm back with Maddie from Haven's Kitchen, woot woot, and Val Geisler, Customer Advocacy Lead at Clavio. Okay, Val. Um, you know, let's just start with opt-in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first step of building a good email list before you start doing all the fancy stuff is having people want to sign up. Yes. So my number one question is, do you need to have a good website to have a good email, you know, channel? opt-in? Yeah. 
I, you need a good landing page at okay. minimum, right? So uh, you can actually, before you launch your brand, before you launch your full website, you can build an email opt-in landing page mm-hmm. and start to build that email list yep. of, uh, you know, getting people who are interested in hearing more about you, know, want to know when you launch your product, um, or even this is a great method. If you have a new product that it hasn't yet launched, you could have a very strong website, strong brand presence. Um, you have have like a new product coming out. So you're going to do like a little splash page, Mm -hmm. um, teaser kind of often. Maddie, you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm Hmm. thinking what you're thinking. Okay. (laughs) Early early access, baby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of getting people to actually, like you said, invite you into their living room. Yeah. How, what, what are the tricks of, you know, opting in? So I have this framework that I, I like to share with people, which is called the dinner party strategy. Um, So yes, it's, it's my favorite because it's something that I like analogies and metaphors. I think it helps us connect to what we're doing. And, uh, we have all experienced maybe not in the last few years, but at some point in our lives, either hosting a dinner party or attending one. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of go through that experience of if you go to someone's dinner party and it's at their house and you drive up and the front porch light is turned off and there is no sign of life inside the house and you're kind of wondering what's going on, um, that's not a great first impression Mm -hmm. and way to start the party. Then you walk, you knock on the door, somebody opens it and you're standing there in your coat, not even inside the door, and they're holding a plate of dinner right in front of your face and saying, here, take a bite. Mm-hmm. That's what we're all doing <laughs> with mm-hmm. email is we're having and we maybe have an opt in for that's like probably not very enticing, like a 10 percent off or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and then we send our very first email asking them to make a purchase. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I mean, everyone does it. So like no shame on anyone who is doing it, but there are better ways. You know, you take their coat, you offer them a drink, you show them around, you introduce them to other people, you offer them an appetizer, like a little taste of what's to come. And then everyone sits down and you can serve the meal, but you have to go through those steps to have a successful dinner party. It's, it's, I mean, fundamentally it's like push versus pull. Yeah. 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 And, and it's also think about recreating the experience of a retail environment mm-hmm. in, in an inbox. I mean, right. if you walked into a store and someone's like walking up to you with an iPad ready to check you out of a thing you haven't even yet tried right. on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, that's such a good point. We have to, it, we have to translate digital to real life and see if it, it works. And if it doesn't, then we have to adjust. And so Maddie, I want you to chime in here because, you know, two things. One, again, we're not selling things on right. our website. We're really actively trying not to sell things on our website. <laughs> we're trying to get people to go into a store. So, I mean, for us, we've had some real conversations about what is the purpose of our website. I think- yeah we feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that everyone should be selling. I think there's some really good examples. I, I mean, just even like, you know, I know fly by Jing, they, they use their website to really sell their partnership things and to, you know, sort of build their community or Abora does those limited time offers. 
coconut cult does the same thing. Even like I was listening to someone from General Mills talking about Wheaties. They use their website and, you know, their D2C channel for like super fans, like people who want like old boxes of Wheaties. So there is an argument to be made, I think a good one that we do, you know, we're leaning into really providing great recipes and cooking inspiration and tips Mm -hmm. and tricks for our community, which is very much a part of what we want to be. Yeah. But it's not always the easiest to get people to sign up for that because it's a little different from like, hey, there's going to be a sale. Um, so I know you've done some playing around with opt-in Yes, I'd love to hear what you've learned. Yeah. Um, so we did, we were still actually, I just wrapped up one AB test for our mobile opt-in, um, which by the way, for some context, you can select a bunch of different ways that a sign-up form is coming to a consumer. So currently Mm -hmm. I have a different pop-up and sign-up form and offer that's running on a desktop computer. So if you go to our website on or on a desktop or a laptop, whatever. And then I have a, a mobile opt-in sign-up mm-hmm. form, which is a different offer. Um, is that and- because people are coming to the brand in different ways? So like- this is why I, I split it up, mainly due to... Uh, a bit of a conflict I was facing with wanting to drive people in store with our digital coupon partner called Isle, mm-hmm. um, which texts um, our consumer once they sign up. You can pick up a pouch of our sauce wherever you grocery shop, text the number back, you know, an image of the receipt, and we'll Venmo you back the balance um, of the product. And then for my mobile pop-up, I couldn't just not collect SMS opt-ins for our marketing messaging, right? So Mm -hmm. the phone number is different, which is something I've been hounding Tiffin, the founder of IO, on. Just we need an integration with Tiffin. You listen to this podcast, so Tiffin, we're we're just we're saying it again. We need that Um, (laughs) because. I was given, you know, the ultimatum of like, we need to connect our email subscribers to the in-store experience. How are we going to do that? We don't really want to do an offer for D2C. Like Ali said, we're kind of just like trying to get them not to shop on, on D2C as much as possible. So my offer for desktop is try, try a pouch of sauce on us. And then they're brought into a different flow with the CTA to sign up for aisle. CTA where, is call to action. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that sign up form, I was testing out, you know, kind of the classic um, examples that Val was giving with a discount discount on your first order. There was a free shipping we were doing at one point, and then there was an enter a chance to win. Um a month's worth of Haven's Kitchen sauces. Right. And I saw a major decline in some of these sign-up forms and was just like, I need to figure something out because right. it's how you're, you grow your list, right? Like it's it's really important. And um, I've found success with this, this new offer. Um, 
And again, it's just about to like meeting your consumer where they are. Um, that sign up form we have with flow code, I think it, it has to do with the timing and the fact that we're really like meeting that customer when they're about to maybe cook with our product for the first mm-hmm. time. And they're like, Ooh, recipes, tips, and tricks. I want that mm-hmm. in my inbox ASAP. Cause I'm not really sure what I'm going to cook, cook tonight for dinner. Right. Um, yep. So we use a ton of language around education. We use Allie, who is like the OG dinner party host as a resource for our consumer. Um, Our first, you know, welcome email is a note from the founder. Um, Giving a face to a brand, I think, is really effective in terms of just letting that customer know, like, Yes, we're selling a product, but we're also people. We also use like our team in a lot of our content as yeah. well. Like <sighs> it can be very I th- moving for a consumer to really just make that connection. So that Maddie, way. before we go, because we're going to go into the welcome flow, okay. but I want to just wrap up on opt-in because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, understanding breaking this down for people who might not be as sort of like far ahead on the email thing, you know, first you have to bring people in and get them to sign up to get emails from you. And I think Maddie, you, you summarized really well, like there are a bunch of different ways to do that. You have to find what works for your brand, but Val, I just want to wrap up the opt-in thing with any sort of like anything you've seen that, really tends to work or anything that you've seen, I would imagine like an oversell doesn't work, but yeah. what, what in your just like estimation is like the best way to get someone to say, okay, here is my email address and you now have permission to send me things. Oh, well, this is where you get my email answer that everyone hates, which is it depends Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, it depends on your brand, your audience, what they, what matters to them, your price point, even, um, for, for example, um, I have seen some clothing brands who do higher end clothing. So, you know, hundred dollars and up for a shirt, for example, they are very success. They see a lot of success with dollars off instead of percentage off. Mm-hmm. which actually can be less money mm-hmm. that the consumer saves, yep. but it looks like more. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, our brains put a lot of value on dollars mm-hmm. versus percentages. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of play with that consumer psych- behavior psychology stuff. Um, and, you know, so things like that where but that comes out of knowing your customers and what matters to them. Right. Um, you know, understanding just like Maddie was talking about knowing that your customers want recipes and want to understand how to use your sauce. Mm-hmm. That is what's enticing to them. Whereas, uh, you know, a, a, a dollar discount on a higher end clothing piece, maybe uh, a free gift with purchase works for a different brand, mm-hmm. but really understanding who your customers are talking to them all the time, um, knowing what, works. And that AB testing is so important because oftentimes, and Maddie, I loved hearing you say that like your gut was right about a few different things, but I think that we all have had the experience of 
wow, my gut was totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, like I was really hoping this B would fail uh, that so that I could be right about A, but it actually A was the right one. Um, right. And I've, I know I've had that plenty of times. Um, and I actually love when I'm wrong because it just shows like, wow, okay, the consumers, the the customers decided right. What the right answer was. And then I just get to follow that data and keep doing more of that. No, it's, it's very cool. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. Every time I do a podcast episode, I'm, I kind of fall in love with what I'm, whether it's the brand, the founder, the thing that they're talking about, I, you know, I become sort of like cult follower. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm not an email nerd exactly, but I'm like an email fan from the side cheering admirer. on the and yeah. admirer. Yeah. Um, so, and you know, I like it because it, it goes to all these very fundamental things, um, but that have gotten somehow overlooked in the last couple of years, because I think people have been, there's just been a different type of consumer behavior in a different environment. And, and I think, I don't know. It's like Carrie, when she came on and she was talking about YouTube is like the big yellow couch Mm -hmm. and everyone just sort of ignores it because it's always there. You know, Mm. I think there's a similar kind of thing with email, but okay. So they've opted in. And then there's this thing that I didn't know what it was called a welcome series. So for those of you who don't realize that you are getting them, (laughs) when you (laughs) sign up for an email from a brand, you usually within some time frame, you guys will tell me what it is, receive like a hello. Thank you for signing up. And here's something we want you to know. Um, And then I guess there's a few things that follow up after that. Um, sometimes it's, you know, like you said, make a purchase right now. Sometimes it's, mm-hmm. let's tell you more about the people behind the brand, where you can find us, why mm-hmm. we started the company, why this ingredient is better than that ingredient. Um, are the welcome series all the same generally? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can use a, a framework like dinner party strategy, right? Where you, you're kind of saying like, okay, we need a welcome when you are hosting a dinner party, typically you're the one that's answering the door and saying hello because you know all the people you invited. Mm-hmm. So that's that email from the founder. Uh, those personal messages, they're like text-based emails that are signed by a human. Um, they go a really long way. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, then you have like the introduction, that that glass of wine, the appetizer that is being passed around at the dinner party. That's the like some information about the brand, whether it's, uh, you know, other people on the team, your production processes that, mm-hmm. that are important to you, mm-hmm. um, a give back program you operate, something you need, need your consumers to know about right up front about the brand. And then you can start to think about like, okay, well, what would this person, what did they come for? What are maybe our best sellers? Maybe, um, our latest release, something like that. You can start to do more of that kind of selling in the welcome series. Can I ask a question? Yeah. And Maddie, maybe you're the one to answer this, but is there, I mean, I would imagine for like super heavy duty websites, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. what the customer is coming for, hmm. how, how do we know that other than just like seeing what pages mm-hmm. are the most frequented? I don't, I don't know. What is, how do you know? It, it could be the page they opted in in on. 
That could be an indicator if you have different forms set up for different pages. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also have like a drop down or um, toggle on your form that mm-hmm. uh, that t- tells you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I uh, I'm interested in men's clothing or women's clothing. I mm-hmm. am interested in uh, I like spicy or not spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can ask, and you can also ask those questions in your emails and have people click on answers, and then you're segmenting them in your flow. Yeah, that's um, so really you can just kind of walk them through, guide them on the journey, and then create those custom messages later on in the flow that relate back to information they gave you already. And then here's another question. So we, and Maddie, I've, I think I've heard you say master clean. Yes. Like a lot. And I have (laughs) no idea what that is, but I, I just, it's very cool. It's a carpet cleaning service (laughs) after the dinner party. Yes. Yes. So, So basically people like, is there an industry average of people that sign up, get into your welcome series, and then never open an email from you again? <laughs> like, or, you know what I mean? How do you? That's a great question. I've never yeah. thought about that. Like if there's an, if there is an you industry average, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to go back to our uh, data science team and ask them that okay. because I, I'm, I need to know that answer now. Um, <laughs> well, because, you know, I, I mean, I'm imagining, because I feel like Master Clean, Maddie, you always, well, can you just tell me what it is? Yeah, so. yeah. So um, a Master Clean list is, it's technically a segment that is based off of whatever day amount you want to set. So currently I send, my Master Clean list is quite large. It's, um, a master clean 900 list. So if in that segment, folks have opened an email from Haven's kitchen in the last 900 days. Um, and I'm not sending to folks who opened after that. So it's, you know, if if it's a thousand days, those subscribers, maybe they still subscribe to Haven's kitchen, but they're like basically just, you know, unengaged. Um, (laughs) yeah. I mean, not that they're, dead, but the email right. is dead not, to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I guess we're dead to them. Yeah. 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 The two. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what's really fun about a master clean list is like, if you want to send like a really specific offer or something like that to like your highly, highly engaged customers, I can send a campaign to my master clean 30 or something like crazy and send an exclusive campaign to folks who have opened an email from Haven's Kitchen within 30 days. So like they had an email, you know, a week ago that they were super psyched on, hopefully. um, And they're receiving this, you know, maybe it's a new product launch before anyone else or something like that. And so, Um, I mean, I think like that, that a master clean 30, mm -hmm. just tell me if I'm wrong, is an example of a segment. Yeah. Okay. So Val, um, segments, yeah. you know, I know there's, you know, we don't want to send something necessarily, although there is an argument to be made that we do, but let's say we're opening in a very regional store yeah. in North Carolina. We don't necessarily want our California subscribers to get that email. Although sometimes might. people are like, they might, they might have a mother that lives in. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I guess geography is one, even mm-hmm. if that's not a great example. Um, 
what are other examples of segments and how should we be thinking about them? I was just talking to a a kid's clothing brand that about this exact same thing. So they had a store in Brooklyn. They were opening a second store in L.A. They wanted to send invites to their store opening in L.A. to their L.A. area subscribers. Uh, And they did that. But then they thought, hmm. A lot of people travel to L.A., have friends in L.A., know people in L.A. So they decided to resend that same message, but with slightly different copy on it Mm -hmm. to their entire active list. So that engaged clean list uh, got an invite in, in, you know, quote invite, like in in a certain sense of the word Mm -hmm. to the L.A. store opening. And then they do occasionally let their entire list know about things that are happening at both stores. But they, mm-hmm. for, you know, kind of the like, join us on Thursday night thing, they're going to mm-hmm. keep that more local. Mm-hmm. Um, here's so a there's, very dumb question. Yeah. If someone gives you their email address, how does the brand also know where they live? Oh, your IP address, yeah. which is like a super technical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, like you're, when you sign up, your computer tells or websites phone. where you are. Um, and what it's, it's imperfect data, right? Because if I'm in New York City and I sign up to uh, somebody's email list, well, I, I actually live in Ohio, but mm-hmm. that if I'm in New York on work, business, whatever, and I sign up to an email list when I'm in New York, that it might register me as being in New York. And so then I end up on this like local email list that Uh, I have to then kind of update them on like, no, I don't need to. Your phone too? Mm, It can. I mean, like, does your, does your phone send when you, when you, I mean this, I didn't, (laughs) I, I'm a bit of a Luddite Val. I'm not sure if you picked up on that. But so if I sign up for an email list on my phone, mm-hmm. it gets an IP address from that too. Like it gets yeah. a zip code. Yeah. Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Wow. It's like your IP, your IP address has localization to it. So, oh um, so yeah, it will like, I've had the, uh, I've had people say like they've traveled overseas and signed up in, uh, you know, signed up to an email list when they were in London and then came home and now they're getting emails about London local right. events and they're like, well, I don't, <laughs> I'm not just flying across the pond. So and is there any sort of like size, you know, you don't want to have a segment of five people, but well, like, I mean, I mean, <laughs> so is there a so, size threshold? Yeah. So you can, so like, yes, uh, localization is one type of segment. There's also, like we talked about a little bit earlier, the data that they give you. So, um, you know, maybe depending on your brand, maybe that is uh, men's, women's clothing. Maybe it's I'm shopping for, uh, I only want to hear about your sports gear or I only want to hear about workwear, Mm. um, you know, or I like sweet and salty. I don't know. You can kind of yeah, segment vegan, whatever you want. Recipes. Yes. Yes, yeah. exactly. Maddie, do we have, do we segment that so way? We are actually working on building out segments based on like diet pretty much by sending through surveys in our like evergreen campaign. So on Sunday, for example, we sent a plant-based email talking about, you know, how to eat more veggies in 2023 with a survey at the bottom saying, 
are you plant-based? You know, yes, I do adhere to this diet. No, I'm a meat eater. So eventually we, what's going to be really fun with us as a brand being, you know, this food brand is we're going to be able to segment out our audiences based on mm-hmm. vegetarianism. You know, maybe they're on the yeah. keto diet. They mm-hmm. love steak. You know, it's like, there are so many different things that we'll be able to do if, you know, like hoping that that call to action to answer these questions are garnering a, enough replies, which to Val's point, like if it's a hyper-engaged segment of like 100 people, 50 people, and you really want to like make it as personal as possible, there's no harm in sending you know, a campaign to a, a super small segment. In my opinion, like it could potentially mess with my data a little bit. Um, it, it will because it'll show like a crazy high open rate and conversion right. rate from that one email. And you're like, woohoo. But then the rest <laughs> of your list isn't as active. Normal. But yeah. if, it's, if you're like kind of willing to, I am, and this is maybe not like, in terms of keeping my list quote unquote healthy or my metrics healthy, like I can remove that, you know, data point from my reporting. So it's not like totally inflated or just make a point. Like we have an ambassador email list that's, you know, Mm -hmm. way smaller than our master clean list, but I'm sending them a monthly newsletter exclusively. And like you said, it's like, I'm getting a 85 or 90% open rate on that. Right. And I remember when we did social nature too, one of the things that we always talked about was like someone who's coming to the brand, the segments can also be the different way that they come to the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So like you said, if they're coming at the grocery store mm-hmm. um, or through the QR code, it yes. likely means they, they either have or are about to have the actual sauce in hand. Mm-hmm. Or if someone's coming in from Pinterest or something, they just might think we're a recipe website or right. something like that. Right. So segments, how many different segments? I mean, I guess that's a silly question. There can be many. You can go wild with yeah. segmenting. There are brands who have like, you know, super strong D to C where the segmentation is like, and just like a plethora of different products. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the folks at Jones road, for instance, like, their segmentation is wild. Like I, when I've spoken to Joanne, it's just, you know, it's, it can be based on if they're doing what the foundation, if they're only doing like face creams, like there's so much you can do there just because it's pretty much all e-commerce. So they have right. so much history mm-hmm. and then the products, like there's just, there's a lot you can do there. A lot of different um, products, yeah. Yeah. And I think segmenting is um, like the Achilles heel of email in that a lot of brands get like they hear they'll hear this if you're listening and you're feeling very overwhelmed right now. <laughs> um, it That can stop people from doing any segmenting whatsoever because mm-hmm. it's like it, – it, and brand operators tend to be very um, like driven people. So I'm going to make the most of this channel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can do broader segmenting. You can find those groups, like you said, uh, plant-based, non-plant-based. You can go that broad with it 
and just kind of hang out there for a little bit, see what kind of response you get. And then you can start to get more narrow keto, paleo, you know, caveman, whatever, like whatever the, um, the latest diet is that, that I think like, then you start to drill down, Mm -hmm. but don't try to create a hundred segments up front. It's not going to benefit you. And, uh, it's, it's just going to feel overwhelming. And then you won't really get the data that you need to make more informed decisions on segmentation. Okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about that data, because I think we've sort of decided that the data that we're getting, the information we're asking helps us help them. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, for a brand like us, ultimately we want our content to be part of our offering. We want people to come to us because we don't have a paywall on our recipes. There aren't 18 pages of SEO. It's not SponCon. They're getting like a quick, really, I just need to make salmon tonight. Please help. Mm -hmm. And that's important to us as a brand. And I think every brand has to figure out what's important and then build out that email and that website sort of from there. And the data helps you do that more effectively. So you're not wasting an opportunity when someone clicks open on your email. Mm-hmm. But then there's yeah. the metrics. And Maddie, you had mentioned the metrics. You know, I always go to like, of course, it's like at Whole Foods, there's stores where we sell 25 chimneys a week and there's stores where we sell four. And I tend to get rid of the 25 and get rid of the four and then take the average. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be mm-hmm. super fans. And hopefully in every channel, sales and marketing, you have people who just love you. Um, but metrics, I mean, for, for those of us who are sort of new to this, I mean, I've heard, you know, open rate, that just means I actually opened the email click through means I followed a call to action. I think Mm -hmm. like Val, I guess for you, you know, a lot of brands right now, we're trying to quantify what I call like brand love. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to say, see retailers, investors, like this is how we know that we have a real community, not just followers on Instagram, not just people who signed up to get a, you know, discount, but a real community. What are those metrics that you would say, you know, it's not the size of the mailing list. It's, (laughs) what you do with it. Um, <laughs> like what, what, what are the important things for us to talk about with metrics when we're, when we're trying to prove the point that we're building something that people would care about if we disappear tomorrow? Yeah. Maddie, as a operator, what are the things that you look at like every day, every week? Um, so I, um, I'm always very curious about my open rate is like incredibly steady. Like I can almost guess like what an what an email is going to open at to to my master clean list. Click through rate I think is very telling in terms of whether or not that the content that you included in that email was kind of like worth the um, worth the open. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times too, like we aren't as conventional, I don't think with our campaigns, you know, we'll put in a campaign, like 
it's very informational and there may not be like, there's going to be a call to action, but we wanted to provide a lot of that information in the body of, of mm-hmm. the email where other times it's, you know, we have a new YouTube video or something like that. Um, and we'll really try to make it like, you can't miss these tips from Allie, you know, watch now, um, right. et cetera. So I would say, yeah, like open rate and click through rate are huge for me. Click rate and click through rate, by the way, are two different things. I only mainly look at click through rate because it's, you know, the percentage of those who actually saw the creative in the email and those who clicked where click rate is like the total number of who I sent to Um, and those who clicked. So like, you know, if there were a good chunk of folks who didn't even see that email. They didn't, you know, they didn't stand a chance for generating a click. Um, right. So, so that, open rate, just going back to open rate for a mm-hmm. second. I know that, I mean, I think, I think you're at like a 60% open rate or something. Yeah. That, we yeah. have an incredibly strong. Val, are you that's like, really good. Your, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, I'm just, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> um, well, I think and, because people know that they're not getting spammed from never. us. Correct. They that, that and that's the value. That's the clean list yes. element, right? Yes. Got it. Right. Um, and not to like blow the wind out of your sales on that because it is a very yeah. impressive metric. And and even if you took 20% away from that, it's still a very impressive metric. Mm-hmm. But I want to say that one of the challenges over the last couple of years with email is the changes to iOS, the the updates to the way that opens are tracked. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, it is an imperfect metric. It's, um, it's a little bit of a vanity metric in, in that there are inboxes that are recording opens when it actually was never opened by the human. Oh, wow. Um, so that's one of the changes with iOS. So that, that whole, if you read up on the kind of the iOS changes, I think it was in, um, 2021, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, the changes are like there you can have a kind of fake email address. So it, that automatically quote opens the email, but doesn't, you don't ever actually see it as the consumer. There, there are those, those factors to consider. So it's like a a 60% open rate is incredible and you have to take it with a grain of salt and look at the other metrics as well. And what are they? If you are only measuring open rates, you're doing yourself a disservice. Okay. So tell us what to look at. Those click the click rates, click through rates. Um, that's and then if you are, if your email is conversion based, if you're lo- trying to get a sale from that email, like what is the mm-hmm. quote conversion on that email? So if you are sending an email with a YouTube link, and then you see your views on YouTube go up shortly after sending that email, or maybe it's like a 24 hour window you set for yourself. Mm-hmm then that email was effective. If you look at the click rate, look at the views on your YouTube. And same thing for purchases. If you're sending, if it's a launch of a new product, you send an email, purchases happen from that email, you can attribute properly, right? So I think like you have to use open rates. It's part of the picture. It's not the only picture. And the click through, is there a benchmark of some sort? I mean, Mm. it's like, is 
similar to like, I mean, we know 60% is very high for an open rate. Is there something that's like considered high for a click-through rate? Yeah. So, uh, I've seen as like 10% is really high. Yeah. Um, kind of 7% seems to be like, you're doing real good. Um, you know, so again, it depends on your segmenting because you can get a 10, 20 or plus percent click rate on a highly segmented email. Um, but if you, you know, kind of, yeah, looking at like industry standards, um, that five to 10% range is, is pretty strong. It's where a place where you want to be. But Maddie, I would imagine for us, because we're not necessarily always even sending people yes. to mm-hmm. someplace, like, like that click through is, and sometimes zero because right. we're actually not asking them to click on anything. We're just giving, sending them good stuff. Is there any way to measure the effectiveness of that, Val, or no? I mean, I do have, I have benchmarks um, that and KPIs that I've set for myself. Sometimes I honestly, and this is, um, maybe, I don't know, me being dramatic, but because (laughs) we aren't necessarily selling a product, Mm -hmm. we have our product. I, I think our click through rate, it's, it's really, it can be very hard to, Mm -hmm. you know, incite, an offer CTA that's getting people to leave their inbox and go watch a YouTube video or check out this new recipe. Um, so we do have to be like really, really thoughtful with that because it's not an offer to purchase a product or a new deal or, you know, whatever it it could be if your main focus is e-commerce. Right. Um, so, I mean, to be like candid, like click through rate for 2023, that's like what I'm like really working on improving for us to just, you know, a, a New York Times, they're sending recipes on a weekly basis and people are so engaged and so excited about that recipe content. And it's really because they position themselves as an authority figure, like in that space. Mm-hmm. So leaning into kind of like, that mentality almost and less, lesser. So of like a, a CPG mm-hmm. vibe is kind of where I'm yep. coming from. I like yeah. it. Yeah. For brands like yours, I, one thing I wish we tracked better is as like an email community is four words mm-hmm. where somebody is like sending it on to a friend a or I, I don't know if we could get to a place where we can track, like, did it get screenshot? You know, like, yeah. is there, how can we, cause there are other ways people engage and show that kind of brand love that we don't necessarily track. And that's like the dark data that we just uh, as marketers have to know is out there and <laughs> it might not be something we can track and we hate that. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And Maddie, I don't want you to feel pressure to add call to actions <laughs> just for the sake of improving a click. No. So, yeah, and, yeah, and that's like the cool thing about us as a brand. Like, of course, I have my my metrics and I'm always keeping tabs on like how we're performing um, compared to kind of, I guess, like our competitors or and whatnot. But just knowing that we are doing this a little bit differently and it's not all about e-commerce or driving conversions, I feel comfortable and like super, um, you know, confident in, in our email strategy. 
but it's, it is just something we are always thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, amazing. Um, all right, team, you know what we didn't talk about was SMS. Oh yeah. Val, that just means you're going to have to come back. Yeah. Let's do an Um, SMS episode. And we're going to do an SMS episode because there are some privacy issues happening there Mm -hmm. and we use SMS differently and maybe we shouldn't loop them together in the first place. And this yeah. is nature's way of telling me to have another episode. On <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Let's do it. All right. Well, Val, thank you so much for coming on. This was super, super helpful. Um, again, not an ad for Clavio, but we are very happy on there. And Maddie just loves her, her data uh, and her metrics. <laughs> Um, so fun. I've loved this conversation. I can't wait to come back and talk about SMS with yay, you too. Thank you. Part duh. Yeah. And Maddie Mads, as always, you're just, you're awesome. I'm so excited you're leading this um, for <laughs> us and you're doing such an amazing job and you've taught me so much and I'm so grateful. Um, so thanks. No prob. My pleasure. And Liam, thank you so much for engineering today's episode. For those of you who are used to me saying thanks to Armin, we now have Liam as our engineer. <laughs> Armin decided he was tired of – no, I'm just kidding. They just <laughs> switched They switched it around at the uh, heritage. Um, but – and uh, listeners, thank you. Thank you all so much. I get so many fun LinkedIn DMs and I'm hearing about so many people in this industry that I should be interviewing and at least connecting with. And I just I, – I really love this, this crew. So um, I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.